My name is Nick Flower, and I'm a clinical psychologist who specializes in behavior therapy. And I'm Lauren McLean, and I am a therapist who specializes in behavioral therapy as well. Welcome to Psychologically Incorrect. This is a podcast about real life through the lens of behavioral psychology and applying the lessons of clinical psychology into everyday issues. Today on Psychologically Incorrect, we tackle how to like yourself. So many people silently struggle with low self-esteem, and today we are going to try to shed light on what we believe is an important topic and how to address it. Today on Psychologically Incorrect. Hi, Lauren. Hey. Do you like yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, most days, I think. Yeah, most days. I would say yes, I do like myself. What do you want from me? Yes. (laughs) um that's funny uh yeah i would you know it's funny if you would ask me the same intro question i would probably say the same thing yeah most days i'm okay with myself Mm -hmm. um but you know what i think is funny i didn't even write this on our outline is that i don't know if you've had this experience but i've had so many patients over the years say i want to learn how to love myself Mm -hmm. and my first like thought and or sometimes response is like hmm that's a tall order (laughs) 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 because like i i think it'd be really hard to love yourself and love every part of yourself a hundred percent of the time knowing what we know about being a human being and fallibility and like the just the pure fact that no one's perfect you know sure sure Um, sure so i've had the conversation many times with people over the years of like what if we just like lower the bar a little bit to i'm cool with myself i like myself i'm okay generally (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, well, I think, first of all, my response to that is, I think it's kind of hokey. That, that, that's my, my I, I give it like an eye roll to that thing. Like I would, if somebody said, I want to learn how to Cynicism. love yeah. my love. Yeah, exactly. Love myself. I'd be like, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> my, my, my I, can't, my, I can't help you with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know what kind of therapy you think I do, but it's not that. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's just a little hokey for me, you know. Um, but but no, I like yeah, I like myself. Let's go with that, you know. Um, but that that is kind of a funny concept. The way that we're even talking about it now to imagine loving yourself. Now, if you ask me, do I love my wife? I'd say, Absolutely, hundred percent. Your your parents, whatever. Of course. Um, you know, but good but, point. But with yourself, you just like yourself. Like what that that is kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it is. I mean, I a hundred percent hear you. And like if you, you know, follow <laughs> that logic, it'd be easy to be like, Well, yeah, why don't you love yourself? But the relationship right. you have with yourself is so different than the relationship you have with anybody else. Sure. And that right. and I think and I think that's self esteem gets caught up in that, you know. And then so often, you know, I, we talk to people and you know, they say, I would never treat anybody else like that, or I would never hold anybody else to those standards, you know what I mean? But yeah. but I have to hold myself to these unrealistic standards. And, you know, and that that, that facilitates this, what we're talking about, low self-esteem and low self-image. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting topic. And I when we were discussing this, I think this is a, an under-discussed topic, is, is my guess. I mean, I don't... Uh, you know, see it discussed too much, uh, you know, unless it's a specific talk on self-esteem or whatever, but like, you know, um, 
I just think there's a lot of people walking around with not too high opinions of, of themselves. And, and, and I don't, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of downstream effects from that as we're going to talk about, but you know, I don't, I don't think that gets discussed enough. I think people are starting to kind of understand like the problems with perfectionism. Like if you even, you know, a lot of the, the social media conversation is like, you know, this is a highlight reel and like, you're seeing like you know the most flattering view of ourselves and like that's not realistic and i hear a lot about that but i think what one thing that's really missing from that conversation is the higher your expectation of yourself the higher the letdown and then the higher the more you're let down by yourself the more likely you are to struggle with self-loathing and i think self-loathing is even like feels like a very almost funny term it feels very extreme like oh I love yeah you. Like, I yeah stand myself but right. I'll tell you what, as a therapist, I know self-loathing when I see it. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, you hate yourself. Like, that's mm -hmm. very clear how mean you are to yourself. And, your yeah. and like, I'm attuned to that because I know what to look for. The average person may not be, you know, but um, when it's there, it's there. And it's, I mean, it's powerful when it's there because how do you even live in your body if you don't like yourself? You know, I mean, like, and really yeah. hate yourself, I should say, in the extreme. And it's in the way, God, it just gets in the way of everything, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Um, well, it's just why we're talking about it, because the problem and, you know, we want to bring it up and, and see, you know, if, if we can um, unpack this a little bit and maybe get to some solutions for people. Yeah, totally. All right. Well, let's get into like, uh, you know, what I would call the hard truth. Hmm. And you know, I think like a general, you know, as we talk about mental health more in our culture, like the, the general messaging is a lot of like, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle. It's okay to have struggles. It's okay to kind of deal with mental health issues. Like it is a normal part of being a human. And like most people encounter it. Most people do encounter mental health, either with them or their loved ones at some point in their life. Like this is kind of an inevitability. You want to add something? Yeah, what, 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 which, by, which by the way, just to add, just to, add to that and uh, expand upon that, is that that's a new thing. You know, you didn't hear yeah. that 20 years ago, you know, mm -hmm. maybe totally. 10 years ago. You know what I mean? So and and I think you would agree that's a good thing that we're talking about mental health this way and struggles. You know, there's, you know, uh, the mighty dot com is a website that, you know, kind of promotes this this idea. And then you see people, celebrities coming out and talking about their uh, struggles with mental health. So the fact that we're talking about reducing stigma is a huge deal. I just wanted to I just want to add that. Go ahead. Absolutely. And a very important part of the conversation. So, um, okay, so the other side of that equation, I think that people don't realize about mental health is, you know, like, okay, let's say I'm depressed. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to struggle with depression. It's okay to like work through your depression. I think one part of the equation that we don't talk enough about is how depression or any mental health thing, mm -hmm. any mental health illness has downstream problems that people don't necessarily realize. And then those downstream problems actually affect your self-esteem. So depression, people can get behind in, you know, home repair, bills, work, like life. Essentially, they get behind in life. You know, you see the dining room table full of crap that they can't kind of sort through. And then they're late on payments and their credit score goes and they're eating poorly. Mm -hmm. weight gain and like there's all sorts of downstream problems of depression and it's those downstream things of like missing a credit card payment having it adversely affect your credit score having a hard time then trying to buy a house because when i was depressed i missed a payment it jacked up my credit you know i gained all this weight i had all these issues that came as a result of my depression 
those issues, then you're like, oh, why did that happen? Why did I let it get there? What is wrong with me? And it's those issues that actually cause the big pull on self-esteem. Um, other examples, and I'll give one that's actually not a mental health disorder. Like, let's say, you know, you your mental health is like, there's nothing clinically significant about it. You're just like an average person. But let's say you, um, you do retail therapy and you like buying yourself things if you have a hard day or something. What happens is maybe you get yourself in debt or any money that you would have liked to save, you're spending on clothes or, you know, whatever. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, you're fine, but you have this financial issue. Uh, and when you have these financial issues, you're like, oh God, why did I get myself in this situation? Why did I spend all that money? Why didn't I save that money that I knew I'd need later? Like, and then that regret leads to that, like just intense frustration with yourself. And so how do you think that intense frustration is going to affect not only how you view yourself, but also how you engage in your spending habits, right? My guess is you're more likely to, there's a saying, um, if you're in a hole with a shovel, you don't have yeah. to keep digging. Right, right. And that's kind of what we're talking about. These downstream issues can have people keep digging. Well, and so to your point about the depression, like, so, so if somebody's suffering from clinical depression, you laid out like sort of a scenario that it could happen, and they end up, you know, then that, that, that those downstream effects, you know, you sort of, get into debt. I don't mean like money by debt. I don't mean like the debt in the money sense. I always call that like, like procrastination debt. You procrastinate and you've got all these things to do. And because you have all these things to do, you start to engage what we call, you know, cognitive distorted, distorted thinking, you know, what's wrong with me? I'm such a bonehead. How could I let this happen? You know, like you mentioned before. And then, you know, that that's just sort of goes into the, the cycle that is the depressive, the depressive actions to let things build up. And then the cognitive distortions about why they built up. And then, you know, it, obviously negative effects on self-esteem. Now, um, you know, in therapy, sometimes it's important to tell people like, okay, like somebody might not be as advanced in their career as their siblings or other people their age. And, um, but yet the person I'm talking to has been struggling with major depressive disorder on and off, you know, recurrent, you know, throughout college and took a couple more years to get through college because of that, you know, and they don't look at that as the reality that it is, which is, oh my gosh, you finished college in five years and you had four major depressive episodes and you're sad about that. <laughs> like that's a remarkable feat. You got to do, you went through college with a parachute on your back and you still got out of there in five years. That's amazing. And that's the actual reality <laughs> of this situation of the person I'm talking about, you know, but all they can focus on is, well, yeah, but you know, all my peers are, you know, this far along or, or something like that. So, you know, we could look at it from a cognitive perspective. They're engaging in, you know, sort of mind not, no, comparison or sometimes mind reading and all this. Uh, but, you know, they're not seeing the reality of the, of, of the very profound thing that they've been able to accomplish. Um, makes sense. Relative to them. Right, right. You know, right. like I see this actually a lot when I have OCD people and like OCD can be so impairing and just like how you live in your day. And all of somebody have this huge win against OCD and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm so proud of you. This is mm -hmm. a big deal. Like, I can't believe you were able to do that. And when I see some of the like low self-esteem, self-loathing stuff, it looks like 
it's actually not a big deal. Lots of people do this and it's not a big deal for them. So why am I going to make a big deal that I did this? Mm -hmm. And being able to kind of just acknowledge, yeah, like everybody has their struggles and everybody is different in what those struggles are. And if something is a big struggle for you relative to you, Mm -hmm. it is a big deal when you overcome that and being able to kind of swallow that like not comparing yourself to people everybody's different this is my struggle and i made progress mm-hmm. in my struggle right so yeah i totally agree with you like the depressed person that finishes college in five years is a huge huge monumental win it's just they struggle to see that and that's what's heartbreaking sure yeah um okay should we give any other examples um uh of like downstream issues yeah sure. can you think of any other examples off the top of your head well, you we in our outline we talk about like OCD uh, and relationship conflict. Fear of flying can ground the significant other. Uh, did you? What do you mean about like like not traveling? Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Meant? Kind of pun in, pun intended, right? Like so, yeah. somebody's really scared of germs and traveling. They don't want to go stay in hotels, get on airplanes, whatever. Then what happens is their family or the people that they live with, their significant other, their family, whatever, they don't travel either because then they'd be bringing germs into the home. And so then, you know, how do you think that's going to play out in the relationship? The significant other, like after a while, will start to get frustrated of your struggles are now impacting my ability to live my life. And then, then, you know, self-esteem from there, then I'm a bad person because I'm affecting you. You know. Right, and we would say, well, you're not a bad person, but yeah, your OCD is affecting the family, and you're here in therapy, and we're going to do something about that. And there's where the hope is, and there's where hopefully the self-esteem comes from. Is so, no, I, 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 I've identified that this is, you know, my untreated OCD has been a problem for the family, and I'm going to be bold and brave and courageous and go uh, try to make those changes, and uh, and that's going to ultimately make the person feel better. You know, I'm working towards this thing that I know is a cancer in the home. And it's had, had these negative downstream effects like we're talking about. And, uh, and I, you know, uh, through, through that fight is freedom and through that fight is increased self-esteem because you know you're doing something for your family, which is really, we're going to get into this, but value-based behaviors, you know. Yeah, I think one thing that's really hard for people to accept is that my struggles affect more than just me. Mm-hmm. because that leads to such like intense regret, intense guilt, like intense pain, like, mm-hmm. and then you feel badly because like the reality is you may be affecting other people mm-hmm. and that causes pain for them and it causes double pain for you. And then mm-hmm. people can just get so stuck in that. Um, and that's why, you know, when we talk about mental illness, like a lot of the conversation is like, yeah, it's really, really painful, both for people and their loved ones. And I feel like that's one of those things where like, there's not, it feels like that word's not even enough to describe how painful it is. And like that word's also the best we have. Wait, what word? You know, painful to say like, Uh, it's really, really painful. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's true, but like to put words on like the extent of pain, it can be Mm -hmm. a hard thing to do because it's brutal, you know? Yeah, but like, so, so how does one not, ha- you know, how does one not have low self-esteem when they realize <laughs> that it's, it's, it's very painful, but it's like, we have to, I, I always say acknowledge, but address it, you know, or, 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 well, when I'm talking about stopping ruminating, I'm normally saying like, acknowledge, um, acknowledge it, but sort of, uh, you know, don't engage with it, you know what I mean? Um, but, 
but may, maybe that's the same advice here. Acknowledge that, you know, the pain that you have caused the family because of the drinking, because of the depression or whatever, but like, okay, acknowledge, but I'm going to address, I'm going to do something about it, you know? And that, we're talking about mental illness, we're talking about addiction, but this, this happens, like you say, with people without, uh, you know, sort of diagnosed mental health issues as well, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, makes yeah. sense? Well, I I, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, stop the burn, right? So like, and you said acknowledge the pain you cause the family. And it's also like acknowledge the pain that you feel about yourself. Acknowledge your own regret. Like really it's more about acknowledging and accepting, okay, this is where I am. I don't mm -hmm. like it. Mm -hmm. And I want to do something about it. Mm -hmm. um, and that, and that you know, it's, it sounds like such a simple thing to say. Accept where you are. Accept that it's painful. Accept your regret. Commit to moving forward sounds so simple mm -hmm. i don't know about you but like i think that is the number one struggle for most people in therapy is just like accepting their illness and really committing to fight their illness yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. this is why acceptance and commitment therapy is such a good treatment you know what i mean it's such a uh, supplement to the things that i do um you know uh in in therapy but uh but yeah i i, I accept the pain that you caused the family, but and more properly said, accept the pain that has been caused by the family, by the depression that exists within you, you know what I mean, by the OCD that exists within you. I often say by untreated OCD, untreated depression, you know, because left to their own devices, if we can anthropomorphize, is that the right word? If we could externalize them, you know, uh, yeah. they'll, they'll tear you down. They'll tell your family apart. I mean, you could look at the statistics, uh, you know, OCD, the economic impact of OCD, the, the effect on families, depression too, you could name anything. Um, but uh, Addiction. Yeah, addiction. But to acknowledge that the, 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 the devastating effect that those untreated conditions has, ha has had on you, the person with low self-esteem potentially, and the family. Um, and and it's sort of you and I are in, in the business of helping people overcome those problems by facing them directly and taking committed action. And I know we're going to get into that, but. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I think a way to kind of reiterate what you just said is more that like the illness is the problem. You're right. not necessarily the problem. If you can accept that, then you're going to fight the illness. And in the process of doing that, you can restore your own self-esteem. But I do want to say, people think that's sometimes a cop-out. You know, like that's such a, mm -hmm. on some way, that, yeah. that's, that's, that's like a therapist thing to say. I've had people tell me that before in the therapy room. They're like, yeah, you're just saying that. You know, I was like, well, no. no. What do you want to say? Like, these things, do you, do you believe? <laughs> yeah. You would say, yeah, 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 Joe, you're the problem. You're the jerk or something. No, you're telling yourself that enough. That's the point of us discussing this because you have untreated mental illness. We have it. We've identified depression as a syndrome of symptoms, a constellation of symptoms that we group together called depression, you know, or OCD, addiction, whatever it is. Um, and these things exist. If a person now, again, this is helpful that the person uh, and then we're talking about mental health conditions. We're not talking about you know, pe people with, un you know, um, without mental illness here, although they can have low self-esteem, that's part of why we're having this discussion, but, you know, these syndromes exist and there are treatments for them, you know what I mean? And when they go untreated and unaddressed, then, then yeah, it's, it's, it's a negative effect on the family, on their community, whatever. Okay. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but. 
No, 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 you're, you're good. I think one example that I will say before we move on is we're talking about this in adults, but something that I see all the time with kids that have any type of behavioral issues, any mental health issue in, in small children manifests in behavioral issues, acting out, whatever. Kids that have behavioral issues get so much negative feedback that it kills their self-esteem. You know, I mean, the classic example of the ADHD kid that's always interrupting the teacher. The kid, the teacher after a while is going to be like, enough, Johnny, Mm -hmm. enough, Mm -hmm. right? And the thing that Johnny needs to learn is like, notice an impulse and try to resist the urge to like speak out of turn, which is going to be hard because there's a reason like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a reason they have ADHD, right? Like there's a brain thing happening and that's causing that impulse control disorder, right? And they can't get to the point of saying, okay, I really want to raise my hand, but I'm going to, I'm going to hold it in. They can't mm-hmm. get to that point if they're saying, oh God, my teacher hates me and I'm such a bad kid. It's mm-hmm. so much harder to learn to resist, to raise your hand. Cause right. really that's all it is. It's like resist the urge. Mm-hmm. And if you took your self-esteem out of it, then that's much easier to learn. If you're like, mm-hmm. all I get is negative feedback and everyone's pissed at me, well, there goes your self-esteem. And then mm-hmm. it's going to be a whole lot harder to actually work on learning how to manage the thing. And to, to your point, that's why we do that with kids. Make it a monster, make it a bully, make it a thing uh, that we're fighting against. You know what I mean? And that, that's really helpful with kids because then they that, that, that allows their self-esteem to stay intact. You know, instead of like, Hey, Joe, you know, raise your hand. Joe, what's wrong with you, Joe? What's, you know, th- this kind of a mentality or that Joe might say, what's wrong with, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? You know, you come into therapy and it's helpful to say, no, that's your OCD. That's your ADHD. That's what we're, that's what we're here to treat, you know, and that helps, that allows their self-esteem to stay intact. You know, I, I do speak that way with adults sometimes to the extent that it's helpful, but um yeah, to, to externalize it, to make it an entity that we're, we're, we're fighting against, just like we would diabetes or something else. What, no one gets all bent out of shape when their when their um, when their sugar gets out of whack. Like I'm, you know, I'm I'm a failure you know, or something like that. Um, yeah. Or hypertension or whatever. But with with mental health stuff, we do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess the only other example we could give is just like anxious little kids. It's like, come on, get out there. It's mm-hmm. like, quit avoiding right and Mm -hmm. like that is not i mean that's not all that motivating if you're scared so Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's the same thing so okay let's move on to the next part um i guess actually before i say that i'll reiterate one last time you're not to blame for your struggle and you need to acknowledge the consequence of your struggle and how you move forward is about committing to move forward which Mm -hmm. is a nice segue to values and committed action. Um, let's introduce values first. How, when you talk to people about understanding the role of values and self-esteem, how do you, how do you think about it? How do you present? Well, uh, beyond self-esteem, but just generally in, in therapy, when I'm asking people to do that, because what, what we see with when somebody's suffering from depression or anxiety or OCD, they're not engaging in value-based behaviors. They're doing things like the depressed, the persons who's suffering from depression, for example, um, they're, yeah, they like Netflix, but they don't like it that much. <laughs> they're watching it a lot. <laughs> um, they like to sleep, but yeah. they don't like it at all hours of the daytime. You know, um, they like to be alone, but not that much. You know what I mean? And so without depression, yeah. when they're, when they're operating as, as their non-depressed self, they're hanging out with friends. 
um, they're making breakfast for themselves every morning. Um, they're, they're making their bed, uh, five days out of seven or something like that. You know, they're, they're, um, their laundry's folded and put away. Um, they're showering every day, you know, but when they're, and those are all values of theirs, uh, cleanliness, um, and somewhat orderly house, you know, uh, knowing where my socks are, um, you know, getting good nutrition, uh, getting moderate exercise. Those are all happen to be values of this person that we're talking about here when they're not depressed. Um, but when they're depressed, they're not doing those behaviors. So they're not engaging in value-based behaviors at that point uh, because they're, you know, on Netflix, they're watching a lot of porn, whatever it is. Um, and so that's, that's how I address it. And I'm always asking people, well, what do you really value? You value your family, you have OCD. Okay, how much time are you spending with them? Not much, because I'm constantly Cloroxing the kitchen. Okay, so you're, you're, you're following OCD's values here, which is to, you know, have a, uh, you know, a, a Clorox clean kitchen every night of the week. Um, but you're, but that's OCD's values. Do you have that value? No, I don't. I want to be with my family. Well, then we have to be with them. And so we have to look at what the values are and then um, so identify them first and then work towards them. And, and, and my goal in therapy is always to help people sort of engage in the life that they want to engage in, not what the depression is commanding or not what the OCD is commanding. Yeah, totally. Um, it's interesting when you were talking about like, um, you know, putting your laundry away, having a clean and orderly house, doing home repairs, eating nutritious food and like when you describe it as like, those are your values. And like, it's funny because when you, I feel like that's the stuff you learn in health class, like the, <laughs> the basics of being human, you know, mm -hmm. like your doctor will be like, you should go to sleep at the same time every night. You right. need to eat like a balanced diet. You need to like do all of those things. And like, when I think about my values, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's my values, but right. what I would say is if I don't do those things, I can almost guarantee I'm going to feel really bad about myself and I'm going to feel really bad about my day and I'm going to feel really overwhelmed and late for life and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about it that way, I'm like, yeah, it is kind of a value that I do these like basic, like human type functional things. Um, but if I don't have those, then I can't get to the higher order values, excuse me, of enjoying time with my family. So even framing it that way, that like, that's the foundation to be able yeah. to pursue the life you want to live. Right. No, uh, yeah, it's, it's those intangibles, those things we don't think about. But the dish, you know, do you like to come home and see a dirty sink? No, I actually don't. You know what I mean? And so, well, this is the person who you know, some people don't care. They're like, yeah, whatever. I'll clean. You know, they don't care. But that's not their value. That's not a value of theirs. But typically, what we see when people who are you know not struggling from depression, they're you know um, they're able to or not able to, but they, they usually have those values. But and so what we do is look at different domains when you're doing behavioral activation in the domain. The, the yeah, exactly. Domains, but. Yeah, so that's kind of the basics. I mean, the organizational psych will tell you mm -hmm. that, you know the whole psychology around like you know, calm, orderly environment creates calm mind, right? Like that's mm -hmm. kind of the basic. Um, but let's talk about higher, higher level values. You know, I, I think you brought up a great point that like OCD wants you to spend all of your time cleaning your kitchen. Addiction wants you to drink all night and then sleep mm -hmm. all day. Um, you know, whatever the other ones are, you know? So, um, but I think one thing people need to kind of conceptualize is that it's all a trade. 
if you choose to drink your face off and then sleep all day, um, you're trading. What happens if you don't do that? And what happens if you don't do that? You can go on a hike. You can go, you know, make plans with friends. You can have experiences. You can go to museums, sporkings, you know, whatever. Like you can do these things that would be meaningful to you. But if you don't acknowledge the trade of like, if I give in to what anxiety wants, Mm-hmm. that wins. And if I don't give in, other things open up. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and and the negative effects on your self-esteem of not doing these things, you know, because that's, that's the point of our discussion, obviously, is how we're going to, you know, feel good about what we're doing. Are we, are we living the life that we want to live? Are we having the house that we want to sort of, uh, you know, be organized or, or whatever it is. And um, it's all, it's all connected. So. Yeah. Um, so ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, you um, mentioned that earlier. One of the things that, so one of the big things about ACT is you need to know what your values are. You need to know what's important to you and how do you want to be in the world and who do you want to be in the world? Um, and you have to have really clear answers for that. And then the next part is committed action, which we'll talk about more in a minute, but it's essentially aligning your behavior to your values. But one way that ACT phrases people in the values brainstorm, which I think is really good, is it says like, okay, let's say how old you are. I'm 39. So now I'm 39. Oh, that's funny. You know, you're old when you forget. I'm 38. So I'm 38. And um, let's say we always say to 80. Let's say, you know, if till 80. So let's say you've got 42 good years left, right? Like at 80, maybe your health starts to decline or you start to do a little less. I don't know, whatever. So let's say you got 42 good years left what's important to you and how do you want to spend those years that's a lot of time but it's also going to pass really quickly if you are not thoughtful and intentional about how you want to spend that time and how do you want to be in the world and what do you want to do and where do you want to put your time money and energy Mm -hmm. and you know what's always interesting to me about those conversations is you know sometimes people are like what i really love to do what i'm most passionate about is like you know, travel and have experiences and kind of pursue like thrilling, exciting, fun things with my family. And yet maybe they work 80 hours a week and mm-hmm. or they drink a lot or they're spending a lot of time Clorox in their kitchen or whatever else. And they're actually doing the things that they want to do very, very, very infrequently. Maybe let's say, I don't know, four times a year, mm-hmm. they're like able to get out and go on a hike. But like, that's what they love doing. Act is saying, okay, carve out the time, mm-hmm. do it frequently. And the more you do it, the more fulfilled, happy, um, excited you're going to be about yourself and your life. Right. And, and you know, it, it, you have the, the big part of this is evaluating, you know, taking stock of, of, of how often you're, you know, living according to your values. And I don't think people think about that too much, you know, and, and, and again, we're talking about people that we see with diagnosed mental illnesses, this is, (laughs) this is rampant. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, working 80 hours a week. Sometimes they have to work that much or whatever, or they're forced to, or what I'm not talking about that, but, um, but yeah, I don't think people take a lot of stock in that, you know, Um, which is kind of why we're talking about it today. So people can say, okay, what, 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 let me evaluate my life here. Is it, am I living according to my values? And if I'm not uh, at what cost? You know, and it, 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 we're 
what we're talking about today, like the cost is your self-esteem potentially. You're not feeling good about yourself, not living a, a fulfilled life. I think we could do kind of, you know, we talked about the basics and I talked about more of the like, you know, guiding force on your life stuff. But I think that there's also a middle area, which is how do you want to interact with yourself in the world? So what are your values in the day-to-day sense? Like, do you want to be a kind, considerate, thoughtful person that has good relationships? You know, do you want to, you know, volunteer? Do you want to be generous? Do you want to be you know, kind of responsible and engaged and thoughtful, whatever. And kind of knowing that, like, those day-to-day values, do you want to be proactive? Um, Whatever that is, and then being intentional about putting that into play. Like, do you want to give attention to your family? Do you want, you know, to be engaged with them and making time to kind of have that as, like, a... um, a point in your mind of, yes, I want to do that, and I want my daily behavior to be aligned with that, um, because that's the thing that's going to make you like yourself. If it's really important for you to be, you know, to nurture your relationships and like call your friends and family a few times a week and have conversations and be mm-hmm. involved in their right. lives and like, you know, do all of that stuff, the more you do it, the better you're going to feel about yourself. And that's not fluffy or woo or anything. I mean, that's just like a simple fact of behavior activation. Like, it's really easy to like yourself if you act in a way that you like. Right. And it, it occurs to me as you were talking that we're, we're, what we're basically saying here today is that when if, if you're if you're struggling with self-esteem, take a look at how you're living your life. And if you're not living according to your values, your self-esteem is likely to suffer. And um, this is different from what we normally see when we go online or something and look out like how to have better self-esteem or what are some tips, you know, and I put some things at the bottom that were kind of like that, you know, um, on our, on our, I know no one can see this, but you and me, but like, um, yeah, you know, like, like advice you'd get from online websites, you know, uh, those things are important, but what we're really talking about is, you know, sort of a, another aspect of it that I don't think gets talked about a lot is like living a value-based life, you know, and all the things that you articulated. Um, intentionally. Inten- being right. intentional. Yeah, being intentionally assessing it uh, and then inten- intentionally, you know, uh, going going towards it, which, you know, um, is in, it's almost like that's a, uh, that's an indirect way to, to improve self-esteem. And to, pr- and, and to improve the quality of, of your happiness and of your life is to live that life that you want to live. And that's an indirect way to to work on your self-esteem. Now, more, a, a more direct way that we sometimes do in therapy is, well, well, let's talk about the things that you like about yourself or talk about what you're good at or something like that. You know, um, take a compliment, you know, give you a look in the mirror, give yourself positive affirmations and stuff like that. Those are all sort of direct ways or direct attempts to improve your self-esteem. But that's not going to get you very far if you're not doing the things that we've been discussing. Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, uh, so let's, one thing that, as you said that I kind of thought that if I say, okay, it's really important for me to like engage with my family, engage with my friends, call, mm-hmm. you know, people show up for people, be present in people's lives, like really kind of put my energy out there. Um, if I do all of that, I'll probably feel good about doing that. Mm-hmm. But if I'm doing all of that 
And I'm still telling myself, you're not good enough. You didn't do that perfectly. You had mm. one error. You are, you know, out of shape. You're unhealthy. You're lazy because you sleep too long. You're not working hard enough. You're not getting everything done. Whatever, whatever bullshit we tell ourselves. Yeah. Excuse my friend. <laughs> um, if you're, um, if you're saying all of that to yourself while living your values externally, mm-hmm. I don't think your self-esteem will budge. So it is really important that you do it. You do both. You can't do half of the equation. You Mm -hmm. have to do both sides of the equation, which means you have to be kind towards yourself. And kind, I don't mean that in a frou-frou way. I mean that in a um, accepting the fact that you're a human being and you're going to have shortcomings and mistakes and regrets and struggles and whatever, and that's all normal. And that I can accept my regrets, my struggles, whatever, and work on improving and balance that against acting the way I want to act in the world. I think if you can do both of them, it will be, it'll be a lot easier to be okay with yourself. But if you're only doing half the equation and beating yourself up, it's not going to go very well. Well, you said be kind to yourself. I think a word I would use is be fair to yourself. Let's be fair about it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because you're, you're not being fair if you're saying, you know, all those things that you rattled off, you know, I've heard people with OCD say, oh, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, I'm not giving enough of myself or, you know, I could have done this or that better. That's, 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 that's compulsive rumination there. You know what I mean? And, and you're not being fair. You're in, you're, you're doing the whole, you know, distorted thought thing. You're not being fair to yourself. So being, being fair is being kind. That, that's what I think they're, they're the same, but there is a nuance there. I think about being, being real, being, being fair. Yeah, I like that better, actually. You're right, because being fair is being kind. It's just being reasonable. Right. Right. But we know there's a lot of Facebook groups about like reasonable people. I don't mean it in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I won't I know, I just had to like throw that in. Hey, yeah, I know. We're, we're, we've got like uh, five minutes to the hour here, and you just brought up social media. That's like a that's that's the latest it's made. <laughs> the first mention. Oh man, that's funny. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think self esteem is way easier to balance if you're okay with not being perfect. With well, being mediocre, as you like to say. I love to talk about mediocrity, and I told you before we got. Uh, recording this is, you know, I yelled at my kids last night and I, and I, you know, uh, I lost my temper. Uh, I don't like to lose my temper on my kids. I don't want to teach them that yelling is the solution to the problem because uh, it's not. And, uh, and I don't want to model that for them. So, you know, I, I could have went down a whole rabbit hole about how I'm not a good father or, you know, I X, Y, or Z or whatever, but I didn't. I said, yeah, I'm going to, okay. That, that wasn't my greatest moment there. Let me go downstairs and do a couple things and then come back up and, and have a conversation with them and use this as a learning experience. And that's what I ultimately did. And I feel better about that today, you know, and I'm going to try to, you know, act differently when I get angry next time, you know? Yeah. And I think actually one way to be fair to yourself is both for you internally and externally to say to yourself and to them, people get angry sometimes. And sometimes they yell and it's normal to get angry and I don't want to be yelling. And so I'm sorry. Right. And you too will get angry 
to your kids. And you're going to want to yell at your siblings or yell at me or yell at other people. And it's going to be hard to resist sometimes and try. And that's committed action. Committed action is about saying try. Yeah. Try to do things that you want to do because that's how you want to be. And I'm going to say what, like, I didn't like that I yelled, but after I had the talk with my oldest daughter, the, the, my four-year-old, she didn't get it. She was just like, you know, whatever. Whatever. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I told my oldest, and I said, listen, I, I was wrong. I, I got mad and I yelled and, um, and, uh, and, and I don't want, I don't want to teach you guys that. I don't want to teach that that's how you handle anger. You know, and I was having the angry emotion and I acted in a way that it was wrong and I didn't want to do that. And I, and I'm sorry. And she kept saying, that's okay. I said, well, it's not okay what I did, you know? And, uh, but, but anyway, so, but that felt good to me after I did that. Yeah. I said, yeah. I, I'm this, this is the kind of parent that I want to be. You know what I mean? I want to be, you know, I want to teach them what a real apology sounds like, you know? And I tried really hard not to tie it to, I'm sorry that I yelled, but you can't <laughs> do what you did. You know, I was being very yeah, yeah. careful to not do that, you know, to keep the two separated, you know, yeah. um, which was, totally. a little, which was a little tricky. But my, my point is, is acting according to my values. When I did that, when I leaned into that, that really made me feel good about, about a thing I wasn't feeling so good about. Yeah. Well, just to kind of tie it back to what we talked earlier, you were able to accept, I don't like that I'm doing this and then do something. which is the name of the game. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's such a simple concept. It's so hard for people. Except when you don't like you're doing things, commit to change, work on change. That's it. So I don't know. Let's hope that, uh, let's hope that (laughs) we can all work on liking ourselves, maybe a little more. I don't know if we'll ever love ourselves. Yeah, maybe it's just know. you and I are cynical. We'll I know. See. God, maybe we're just uh, too much dark comedy or something. Yeah, but I think we might just be too cynical, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll get you. All right, Lauren. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Credit to our theme music to my brother, Andrew McLean. Please subscribe, leave a review, and tell us what you think. All opinions are our own.